The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora Tato, this is Gone by Lunchtime, that was Ben Thomas um, chortling about, what were you laughing about then? Nothing. Lollies. Laughing about lollies. Um, Hello Ben from Excel Team, how are you? Hello, I'm great. Excellent, excellent. Um, Annabelle Lee from the Hui, Merry Christmas, how are you? Very well, thank you. And Waimihi Rose is here again. She is. Um, Before we start... Uh, we need we've, disclosure has been an issue this year um, for many people. Um, it's important that we acknowledge any potential conflict. Um, and there's something I think I should raise. <clears throat> Why me here, Rose? You were on Saturday morning, literally in the clutches of the Prime Minister. I think that was seen by a number of people. Um, what do you have to say for yourself? Also, in the grip of the Speaker of the House, Trevor Mallard. She was, Would, yeah. Are you going to speak on her behalf as her agent? I can do. She also spent a significant amount of time with Dame Susan Devoy. I see. Yeah, so I don't think she should be making any comments today, it's Toby. Prob- probably better if she just... Yeah, I think she should sit this it. one out. Zip it, sweetie. Yeah, she's seriously compromised. Um, you, know, you know, ever since his successful stunt in the chamber over the extension of parental leave where Trevor Mallard held a baby in the speaker's chair Mm. um, while the mother spoke in Parliament. Mm. Since then, I don't think he's been captured on film without a small child in his arms. It's it's, it's, it's the opposite. Some politicians kind of put away their drink as soon as cameras come out. Mallard just snatches the nearest (laughs) child. (laughs) I I was at the press gallery party down in Wellington on Thursday. He was holding a baby there. (laughs) It was like in the midst of all these drunken journalists and politicians and no, nobody brings a, a baby to the gallery party he must have like a store of them in his office yes. or something He's, yeah um, he should get a lap dog <laughs> that would be an alternative people carrying sort of just general pets maybe stoats or other vermin into the house it's just a thought. Um, the, we, this is the last Gone by Lunchtime for 2017. Um, there's also still to, there's still to come, though, uh, the Superpod that we've already recorded. Mm. Um, we, we did it a while ago. But I don't know when it's going to go, but probably after this. So Like a KFC family feast-size pod. Like a family feast KFC-size yeah. pod. Mm. Um, Madeline Chapman is um, over there. Hi, Mad. She's not very well because she um, 
overdid it at her brother's 40th birthday party in Wellington over the weekend. Is that fair, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 2017. The, it's been a, sort of normally at this point of year we'd all be feeling like everything was laid back and tapering out for the year, but they're still in Parliament. What are they doing? They were in Parliament on Friday in urgency to pass the government's new families package. Yes. So, yeah, there's this 100 days of action, which seems to be the fashion for new governments to announce. Mm. When I say the fashion, I mean it happened this year and it happened nine years ago, so it's quite a fad. Mm. Um, And this is, you know, to get the the government off to sort of start with great momentum, getting their program in place for the next three years. And the, the problem with the 100 days of action is that you generally don't have anything ready on the first day. You know, laws take a while to draft and... Yeah. So there, t- there tends to be a bit of a, a lag. We're about, what, 40, 50 days in? 50 days in, I think. And that was fast. Well, it, I think they also, I mean, they're counting all the Christmas. You see, I wouldn't be counting stats. I'd say we're not counting the statutory. We're not counting the weekends. Mm. And so, you know, we won't, and we won't count Thursdays just to, just to sort of extend that 100 days out of it. I don't know that you can count on the electorate being familiar with the Acts Interpretation Act or... The days, <laughs> the, In yeah. terms of we are working So it's days. kind of February the 4th or 5th or something, isn't it, that the 100 days ends? Something like that? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. How many days the, in January? But, 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 um, but your, what was your point? Your point was that... So, so what happens is, you know, for instance, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen from the opposition a bit of... Um, a bit of this procedural carping which the public loves to hear about, you know, whether there's enough paper, uh, enough bills on the order paper and mm. that, the oppos- that the government has been filibustering that is oh, buying time. The public, they can't get enough of standing orders debates. It's, oh, it's... it's, it's <laughs> we, we saw a lot of media companies saw that there were... There was really outsized, hugely increased interest in the New Zealand election in terms of their readerships on their, um, on their mm. websites, in terms of viewing. Mm. I think one stat I heard was... Um, 10,000 people watched James Shaw's announcement that he that no one was resigning one <laughs> night at Parliament during the campaign right. on Facebook Live. So the huge interest in politics um, coming into the election and in the immediate aftermath before the government was announced. And now politicians are doing their best to dampen that down by talking about standing put orders, a, a, house procedure, filibustering in the order paper as much as possible. Annabelle, first 100 days, how's it going um, from where you're watching? Yeah, it's pretty good. Looks all right. I thought the the family package was something to do with Cordell Trev's childcare services that he was offering in Parliament. But, um, well, yeah, I think, um, like Ben says, uh, any optimism that you might have felt has been sucked out by the opposition and and their behaviour, and it just seems like it's quite chaotic and petulant down there at the moment. I'm curious to see how long it lasts for too. Do you think they'll be able to maintain this level of belligerence for a whole three years, Ben, or do you think the novelty will wear off and they'll let Labour get on with it? Or Well, I mean, to a, to a certain extent, the clue is in the name, which is the opposition. And they're obviously going, you know, they don't have any obligation to try and advance Labour's agenda. In fact, they stand opposed to, you know, large parts of it, like getting rid of tax cuts and extending benefits in, in some respects, because, of course, National um, was, you know, campaigned on extending benefits themselves. But 
what we're seeing with all of this sort of procedural kind of maneuvering and and trying to stymie the government, it's kind of, it's kind of filling a vacuum, which is because you know as as we said, it takes a while to get legislation drafted, takes a while for ministers to get their feet under their desks, you know, get ready the terms of reference for all the inquiries, uh, including the Namorahu one um, that uh, that they've promised, and and now we're in that phase where they've sort of you know the machinery of government has kind of geared up and it's in motion, things are being introduced into the House, the policies are, are beginning to take actual shape rather than just the sort of vague kind of campaign promises, you know, they're being translated into actual law, actual policy. And and once that starts, the opposition doesn't really stand a chance. Um, you know, the resources of government are vastly greater than mm. that of the opposition. Um because because of the sort of the vagaries of how our our parliament works as opposed to say certain institutions in the United States, you can't actually just filibuster and delay bills forever. We have standing orders that pre- prevent that, and 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 eventually this kind of um, messing around with procedure that we've seen, you know, six thousand written questions lodged to kind of gum up the works in ministerial offices will just fall away because it's actually much harder for the opposition to maintain their intensity than it is for the government, which has just armies of civil servants, huge amounts of staff. Apparently, um, Nick Smith raised a point of order the other day because Adrian Dudafi had told the House to end all after um, he told them to sit down twice and they wouldn't. And then what was what was Adrian Dudafi's response? He he, 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 he told them to sit down twice and they wouldn't, and then he said "enohoi naene," and everyone did. And then Nick Smith got up and raised a point of order about it, about how it was inappropriate to use "te reo" in the House if you weren't going to translate it. Blah blah blah. And if I said, well, it worked. He I'd said it worked, and twice. actually, I'd already told you twice in English to to sit down, <laughs> so it was technically translated. When we look at 2017, certainly as far as the political drama is concerned, like I don't think it began until July the 16th. I think it was July the 16th. Greens AGM Mitiria today uh, gave a speech, in part designed to cut through the general wash of political argument and it achieved that and it sort of changed everything. Mm. Annabelle. Did it anything happen before then? Saying, what is it? Um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and I think that was an outstanding example. We actually had her on the hui the day before mm. and she talked about how she was getting ready to deliver the most important um, speech, I think she said, or policy of her lifetime. Right. And um, gosh, if we'd known then that it was going to end so catastrophically, you know. Um, And again, that's exactly what it was. Like, obviously, um, delivered with the best intentions, but just an absolute fuck-up of the highest order in terms of the way it was um, strategised and Mm. and played out. And again, as I say, it's just a real shame to have lost such an experienced, articulate Māori politician as as Matidia. The world, world of politics losses, the world of arts gain. She's now sort of a few weeks into an art an art course, isn't mm, she? Yeah, Making apparently. Some... Fine arts, eh? Think Is she so. doing taniko or pew pew, something like that? Yeah, some sort of Māori weaving mm. major, I've heard. Um, do you have any views on um, the New Zealand art scene, Ben? Well, I worked for a Minister of the Arts for six years. Oh, during the Golden Age? Yeah, during the Golden Age of New Zealand It was Zealand so Arts. interesting how that became almost a meme, didn't it? Um, I don't know, was that Chris Finlayson's idea? Lots of, lots of hashtags. Yeah, um, he was on the, on the Twitter. 
doing those, I guess. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's right. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that um, the two-day speech, um, a fuck-up of the highest order, is Annabelle's um, remark. Hang on a sec. Really hot. For, for those who can't see, Toby is just pulling a mallard. <laughs> no, I was handed the baby. I'm not, I didn't grab the baby. I just um, um, the uh, fuck up of the highest order. Yeah, look, a happy mistake for the left. Um, you know, it, it all all's well that ends well. Um, but I think, in terms of what uh, Matilda today was trying to do, which was th- this was at the stage where Labor's support was basically. Cratering, falling off a cliff, um, and New Zealand first, and the Greens were fighting over basically the corpse, just sort of pickpocketing, you know, any remaining support that Labor had. Yeah, and New Zealand first were going centrist, Greens were going left. Um, I think there was a huge amount of hubris involved in Matidia's, um speech. You know, as, as Annabelle said, she described it as the most important speech of you know her life or someone's life. Well, actually, if you think of it, you know, she's been praised retrospectively for bringing up the issues of child poverty and benefits. Well, Jacinda Ardern had been in Parliament for about eight and a half years at that stage, and that had been her primary um, policy plank, had been addressing child poverty. Hone Harawera was so successful in raising the issue of child poverty that he actually forced the government to... um, you know, bring in the, that that sort of slightly gimmicky, but nonetheless, you know, real uh, breakfasts and schools program. So this idea that sort of Matilda just had a brainstorm and decided that she she bravely was going to address the issue of child poverty in New Zealand, I think is it, it's very wrong, and I think it's a bit conceited. Um, I think the difference, though, is that it was coming from you know a lived experience point of view. That um, and, and obviously, she must have been cognizant that it. It, it was or, or a at least risk, inspired but not by true quite, events, as it turned out. But not quite as didn't realise how much of a risk it would be. I thought it was interesting in a lot of the commentary at the time and afterwards. Um, poor old green staffers came in for a bit of flack. Um, a lot of people said, "Oh, the real the real failure here was the people who failed to advise Matidia of the risks involved, who failed one of those to people. prepare yeah. the ground." Um, green staffers also came for, for a bit of flack later in the year when they failed to to properly vet the bios of one of their candidates. Mm. And most political parties' candidates write their own bios, but the Greens <coughs> seem to be a massive exception to that. Um, when it, and, and the thing is, if if the co-leader of a party is dead set on a course, you know you can guarantee that staff would have pointed things out to her. Um, but you know, as as we saw. In the aftermath of the speech, when you know more information came to light, which maybe cast a bit of doubt on the bona fides of you know the full extent of her story, um, or at least changed the context for it, I think. Um, you know, Matidia was dead set on her course; she wasn't changing it for anyone. Um, and I think I think it's wrong to kind of blame other people. I, I still don't understand that, though. So, what are we saying that because she had a a, a mother-in-law who? had a high profile and and earned a good income that she she didn't struggle at university. The I, I still think that argument's weak and I'm I'm sure that obviously her mother-in-law wouldn't allow her mukul to starve but that doesn't mean that she didn't struggle. I agree with that. I think that the where I'm looking at it the with whoever you whoever's whoever's responsible for it one of the simplest things that seems 
with benefit of hindsight, yes, but surely in terms of basic political management, you would have been into wins the day or the week before. I totally Settled agree. the bill. Absolutely. Shown that you were, you know, Absolutely. just a drawing a line thing rather than the Absolutely. scenes of kind of going on like a kind of chastened person the yeah. week afterwards and so on. And that is the hubris. And absolutely, yeah, she should have found out a specific dollar amount, paid it off and, and then, um, you know, ran that angle. But as we all know. We had um, on the... The spin-off website, spinoff.co.nz, um, uh, a bunch of people saying who were the winners and losers of the years, the, the champ, champs and the flops. You, um, Annabelle, had Jacinda Ardern second. I think you had her first, did you, Ben? Okay. Can we, I mean, we probably don't need to dwell on it too much, but Jacinda Ardern's year, which is kind of what followed on and the two dominoes on from that Metiria two-day speech, um, when the Greens surged, Labour plummeted a bit further... Little fell on his sword, Ardern stepped in, and then boom. Boom. Jacinda Mania. Yeah. What a magnificent... As um, Nicola Keane said, she like managed to fit a whole career arc into into 12 months, and that's, right. exactly, that's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, at a time where the leader of the free world is Donald Trump, it's, um, it's really nice that we have an articulate... Um, smart um, wahine leading our country. I think it's very timely. You're you're a bit just in just in deforic as well, aren't you, uh, Ben? Yeah. Look, um, you know, an amazing year started off with the Mount Albert by-election. Um, started th- then denied that she had deputy leadership aspirations. Kind of she, she's this. There's been this process of virtuously falling upwards. Kind of denying any ambition and then then hitting it out of the park when she's sort of thrust into these roles. Um, yeah, she's do you not think that's sincere, Ben? Because I, I my impression no, is I, I that that is, is sincere. Is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it probably is, and it's the impression that I've had of just Cinder Ardern this year is that probably no one really knew how good she was, including her own party, um, until the time came. Mm. Um, and I think we saw that at that first sort of, you know, triumphal press conference she mm. gave on assuming the leadership, um, where you had kind of her advisors sort of whispering things behind her and she would just ignore them yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just slay yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, it could easily have been, I mean, given Grant Robinson was, has been doing a little bit in the house as well, it could, that could easily have been one of the major tropes of the first days of the Labour government. That will having, be, yeah. you know, Grant was Grant, Grant Robinson whispering in people's ears like some, yeah. you know, Svengali. It will be remembered as one of the most impressive press conferences oh, of all yeah. time. Surely she just absolutely smashed it, didn't yeah. she? I mean, I mean, two important pieces of intel about um, the prime minister's performance so far. Um, my my nana and Fielding, yeah, uh, okay. is is delighted mm-hmm. that we have this new prime minister who's a thirty seven year old woman because she thinks that uh, the young people are our future. Oh, and my mother who lives in Sydney also reports that everyone shout out to Fielding, <laughs> if, if, also if, Sydney and, and Sydney, yeah, if everyone in Sydney thinks that Jacinta Ahern is doing great. Kia ora. <laughs> um, Bill English, meanwhile. Um, I think you had him in your champs. I sort of had him sneaking in as a fourth. What do we think of Bill English's year? I mean, he he outperformed expectations too, didn't he? He got up again. He really did. 
He really did. I think he, he you know, this has been the best version of, of Bill English that we've seen. And, you know, it, it's unlucky, isn't it? Because he, he did win the, the majority of the vote. So, you know, you could say that he was hard done by. But I think he let himself down when he didn't come out and um, defuse that little hand grenade that um, Joyce lobbed at the 11th hour in the election campaign, I think, in terms of his credibility. The 11.7 billionth hour, even. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, Toby. I think he let himself down there. And it'll be interesting to see if he sticks around. When you've been in Parliament that long, what do you do? Yeah, well, he's not, he's not, uh, you know, he's not, he's not like that old, though, right? Was he 50? He's, he's, he's still got a few years until he's 60. Mm. Um, so I, I tend to think he'll stick around myself. Um, ben, your, your, how, did, how did the year of English look to you? I think one of the great shames of the three-term national government will be that the split was eight years for Key and one for English. Um, uh-huh. I think maybe... 6-3 or 5-4 might have been a better result for New Zealand. Um, you know, because... Well, for, it's for excellent math. Key, Key's, Key's departure was... <laughs> just kind of... It, Sorry, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> just writing this down. Key, Key's departure was this sort of opportunity to kind of look back on two and two-thirds at the time, uh, terms of national. And, and where they came in was promising to... Um, promising to close the income gap with Australia and and all the sorts of, you know, grand promises you make as a first-term government. And I think ultimately Key left with not not that much of a legacy that you'll remember, particularly not one mm. that you could attach to him personally. Mm. I think yeah. a lot of his ministers leave with legacies. Um, and I think English is chief amongst those. And I think... He, he brought a real kind of concentration to the office of Prime Minister as actually somewhere where you can drive policy direction across government, which we saw with the social investment, which had been kind of, you know, kind of on a slow boil for about eight years and really got cranked up when Bill, you know, had that control over all of government from that sort of big chair, um, which is something that Key didn't really use the office for. He didn't have a vision in the same way. Um, I thought he campaigned great. Um, he, unlike probably Key, he was able to pivot, you know, back towards child poverty when Jacinda yeah. was making a lot of ground on that. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I don't think he's got anything to be ashamed of. It's interesting because when Key resigned, I thought, wow, National are, are really going to get a hiding now. And I thought we'd see them start to fall in the polls quite rapidly. Um, you know, third-term government, nothing very sexy happening. New Zealand, you know, arguably at an all-time low in terms of child poverty, just poverty in general, because if there's poor kids, there's poor adults. Um, um, housing, all of those issues. And yet they managed to hold on. Is that, though, I, I'm not sure if that's because English was such a great leader or if um, or if we've just become really apathetic, but um, but he he managed to hold on, didn't he? Like we didn't see a big immediate slide that a lot of people perhaps might have expected. No, there was no you kind of there could have been a tailspin if things had sort of fallen away in any sizable way, but they didn't. Yeah, nationals' vote's been remarkably consistent mm. over four Still elections is. now. Still yeah. is, yeah. And, right. and and here's the here's the rub. Um, they in the Colmar Brunton, I think they finished on forty six, did they? Um, yeah. um, the the Comet Brunton the, the weekend before last and Bill English has kind of historic highs for a beaten like he was he, his, his preferred PM is 33 something like that I can't remember exactly and yet 
where all everyone is talking about whether or not he can remain as leader. You know, he's got this incredible for, for an opposition party, the first ever under MMP opposition party, the biggest party in Parliament. Everyone saying, most people saying he had it put in a good show. Not everyone. Simon mm. Wilson is a Sydney voice, for example, in our spin-off collection of views, and. Um, uh, doing quite well in those rankings, and yet we're all talking about whether or not he can survive. I mean, I don't. I don't I, it just feels so to me like the momentum is. It's not so much whether or not he can survive. I think it's more whether or not he chooses. To you think? Stay. Okay. I think so. Yeah. yeah. You think? What do you think, Ben? Do you think if 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 he was determined to stick it out, he could? If if he wanted to lead National into the next election, I think he could. Yeah. Um, I don't think he'll want to. Um, I think he'll stick around for probably another year or so. I mean, well, no, see, I mean, I said this on the last podcast, I think, but it felt to me um, just somehow that reshuffle that wasn't really a reshuffle. Everyone just stay where you are, look after your own stall, seemed a bit like a holding pattern and some, you know, useful functional opposition. People know their portfolios, but it needs a refresh at some time. And whether he can do a refresh that doesn't involve finding a kind of capturing that sense of some generational shift is, I think, you know, what do you think? Me here. Tobe, can I ask a question, or yeah. is that going to derail the, the, the podcast? There's nothing to derail. We're just, <laughs> just. What do you guys think of the Golras thing? Do you the, think it's a big deal? My main issue CV? with it was the, that it wasn't a selfie, that that picture wasn't a selfie, um, and everyone was calling it a selfie. Otherwise, I don't think there was too much in it. I think it was, I think it was one of those things where it was obviously foolish, and it um, when we here okay. just is refusing to stay quiet. I'll give her a kai. Here we go. Um, uh, the, yeah, no. So I, I felt that obviously there was there was there was there was a little bit of kind of massaged <coughs> copy around, and people want to sort of hear the hero story, but it seemed to me kind of disproportionate some of the response to it. This is the this is for people who haven't um, don't read Twitter a lot. Basically, where it mostly occurred, the um, Goris Garman, the Green MP. I think it was who, in the Herald four days in a row. It was in the Herald four days in a row, yeah. really? Radio uh, New Zealand were all over it as well. Um, I felt like it was a bit over the top myself. No, it, like, it, it definitely dominated headlines, which I think yeah. where, where if you're the Greens and you're in government for the first time, that's probably where you want your backbench MP to be. <laughs> um, the story, just in case anyone didn't see it, is, was um, centred around... Um, Golda's Garaman's account of her time working as a lawyer in part as an intern um, for war crimes charges being laid against um, some Wandan uh, characters and uh, whether or not she was on the defence um, team or not or just the prosecution that's a very um, crappy summary but basically Ben what was your, what was your view on it? Shrugging no. Yeah, I, I, I mean, no strong feelings about it. I think that um, I think it's always going to be a bit unsettling when people see you sort of smiling for photos with genocide-accused people. Um, most That's discomforting. Most, yeah, most. I, th- I think most lawyers wouldn't pose with their defendants um, for sort of smiling photos. Mm. But that's you know, who, who knows what goes on. Um, yeah, and like you say, uh, you know, people massage their bios. This one, I think there was like a certain overemphasis on <laughs> a certain aspects. Um, and I think, as we adverted to earlier, I, I wasn't totally comfortable with the way that staff were immediately blamed. Um, this was the, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the bio was seen as incorrect yep. on the website and suddenly that was staff's fault and the yep. MP slash candidate had never seen the copy before and that seems pretty implausible to me. Um, 
let's we can't we can't um, overlook Winston Peters who had a big year too. Um, Quite a big year, didn't he? Um, he the he was almost king as a prime minister. Um, the, <laughs> going back the, to about what May. Apart from the kind of moments of Winstonian special, like that incredible press conference where he raged and raged and raged against the media um, during the negotiations, That's and right. also a few things that. I was Certainly, trying to I remember think, uh, which one. Well, there was the one well, that was particularly raged and raged and raged against media. Now, which one? Narrow down. Are we talking about the one almost immediately after the election, where he yeah. summoned the gallery yeah, to, to the, the Beehive yes. Theatre with yeah. the prime minister, which is reserved for the prime yes. minister, making announcements? Yeah. Uh-huh. And that they were there under oh. the impression that he might be telling them who the next government would yeah. be or process about the coalition talks. And instead, he just began by reading a Dominion post editorial that he didn't like. He told them, <laughs> told them why they're all idiots. Yeah. Um, but as far as the process goes, well, it was obviously frustrating for um, people who were kind of <clears throat> had become adrenaline filled during the election campaign and wanted more. Wasn't it actually a very disciplined process in which there were almost no leaks that emerged, um, in which uh, arrangement was reached that didn't seem like it wildly disproportionately represented the so-called Kingmaker Party? was done in three weeks and a bit, seemed quite efficient and effective and responsible I feel like compared he must to Germany, have, for yeah, example. Yeah, I feel like Winston must have really taken on board the criticisms of 96 and, you know, we all know how that relationship worked out. And I, I do think that, you know, once he is in that position, sorry, Mad, once he is in that position that he... You know, there's a gear shift with him, mm. and he does take a very responsible approach. I think my only criticism would be that he set the deadline, um, which then set up an expectation that he would meet the right. deadline, and yes. he was very certain yep. whenever he was questioned yep. about the deadline yep. that he would meet it and the question and of he, whether or not was ridiculous, and then he didn't. And so he I refused think, to say then, he refused to simply say, yeah, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have been so black and white about it. Of course we yeah. need to be grown-ups. He just has to, yeah, he refuses to Yeah, we need to, to give accept. ourselves some yeah. wriggle room because, okay. you know, yeah. but, you know, the whole thing of, oh, we can't fly the board in and, you know, they're coming from the ends of the earth a la bluff or whatever um, was a bit implausible and I, I just think next time maybe don't be so um, um, sold on what a specific date Next might time, be. next time If the, there the, is the, a next time, know. God forbid The NZ First Board the, they were the surprising oh, right. kind of stars <laughs> of the post-election People profiling the NZ There's, First Board Well, unsuccessfully there didn't yeah. seem to be I mean, we know that now there is a New Zealand First Board, <laughs> we know that a day after New, Winston told us about yeah. them, there, there's been a New Zealand First Board, where, where they were or you know where, what its composition was prior right, to kept that in a, Kept in a crypt, sort of um, after, after scouring RSAs across the country, yeah. <laughs> kind of signing people up at closing time. Or um, briefly, that was the only other um, ridiculous statement I thought too during those negotiations. Is mm. please respect the privacy of the board. They yeah. are not public figures. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, but if you get to decide which party becomes the next government, then you are most definitely a public figure mm. and therefore open to scrutiny. And I'm sure it was entirely them that did decide. Briefly, um, in your champs list, Annabelle Lee, you listed Susan DeVoy. Yes. Of the Human Rights Commission. Yes. Race Relations Commissioner. Um, 
for her unrelenting pursuit of justice for Nga Morehu, survivors of state abuse. Do you want to tell us what... Um, do you want to touch on that briefly and tell us what, what, what to look out for next year for that? Do we need to have a royal commission or will a stock inquiry do? I think it should be a royal commission. It does need to have... It, it needs to be independent because, you know, this is not new to anyone. The... Um, this isn't something that's just recently come to light. You know, governments have known about this issue for a long, long time. And so, you know, arguably you could say that they're all, um, you know, they've all been um, tarred by this issue by not dealing with it um, earlier. So I think it's really important that it is an independent inquiry and far-reaching. Um, the reason, one of the reasons Susan DeVoy is, is my champ too is because, in all honesty, when she was appointed to the office of, of the you know, Human Rights what is she, Commissioner, mm-hmm. Conciliator Commissioner, conciliator, yeah, conciliator. now it's Commissioner, yeah. um, I was somewhat sceptical, um, having not come from a background of advocacy in that area. And she just continues to um, surprise me in the most wonderful way with her commitment and how what an amazing job she's done so one of the things I'll be keeping an eye on is you know whether or not she's reappointed to that yeah. position I yeah. hope she is it comes up in the um, next she was a national months, appointment it? but um it'll be interesting to see whether labor it's keeps in- her on and um I talked to her in the weekend and one of the things she mentioned is that um she wants to make more resources available for Ngā Mōrehu to establish their own support group. And I thought that was such a refreshing approach. You know, usually it would be like there'd be some other group that, uh, you know, team of experts, academics and social workers getting brought in to set up a support group for them. And her attitude is that, um, that it should be them who are just given the resources to do what they think is best, What you know, and I think um, that's exactly what those those survivors need is to be empowered to make decisions for themselves and and um, be resourced to do that. So a great appointment by Judith Collins, as we all said at the time. Really good, brave, bold, important uh, appointment of Susan DeVoy. Um, uh, let's uh, scroll down to next year. We can go through. There are all the villains as well that we listed, but let's not let's not labour those. Who needs to? Who needs to rub salt into the wound of Jonathan Can Coleman we talk or... about the Māori Party, though? Yeah, let's talk about the Māori Party. Um, Lance O'Sullivan, is this the bit you want to talk about? I mean, it's kind of... of it. it's It's very um, surprising that... It seems a surprising approach to <laughs> announce that he'll be leader, but he won't do the co-leadership thing, and um, I'm not sure that comes across super well in no. terms of the co-papa of the no. Māori Party. A little bit tone deaf. Yeah, it's interesting because within wider New Zealand, he is very much seen as a, you know, as a hero, obviously New Zealander of the year. And undoubtedly he has done some incredible work um, in his community in the far north in terms of health care and um, as a staunch advocate of vaccinating your kids, and he's absolutely spot on right. But within Te Ao Māori, he is quite a polarising figure, and as much as he is loved, there are also people who are deeply sceptical about um, his motivations, and, you know, there's a, a, a growing group of Māori who are anti-vaccination and, and that sort of thing, and I just think for him to make a... I, I think having a co-leader alongside him... 
um, is a good thing to help to neutralise that somewhat and it is very much the kaupapa of the Māori Party, mana, mana tāne, mana wahine. So to come in before you've even been elected and start um, making those sorts of pronouncements I think really doesn't do much to, um, to, to win hearts within the party and within the wider community I would have thought. But the, it's the, the Māori Party, uh, it's not good times for them, eh? I thought that letter mm. that Tuku sent mm. the other day and some of Marama's comments on the nation the Tuku other day. Morgan, it doesn't, the, yeah, stood yeah. down as As president. party president yeah. and called upon Te Ururua and Marama to do the mm -hmm. same thing. Clearly Marama's not keen to stand down at all. So, yeah, I can't help but think that um, things are still imploding there. Yeah, it seems like a long road back for long that road party. Back. Um, Ben, anything to add to that? No, just, I mean, no party's ever left Parliament and then come back apart from Winston. Winston's um, done it twice. Isn't and it? Was, no, once. Once. Once, once, he, once. once the party went under what, five and he once, held on with an electorate. So. Yeah, so he, but he's only left Parliament one time, which yep. was in 2008, got yep. about, what, 4.3% of the vote yep. or something. Yeah. So there was always still still a reasonable position of strength. I think going from what going out with one point two percent of the vote and no electorates. Um, I mean that's a, that's an incredible road back. Which I, I you've mean, got to win an electorate to get back in. Yeah, really, and, the, and and look, the Maori Party did get a bit of funding. They did get a bit of resource from um, often donors who were quite sympathetic to National and saw the Maori mm. Party as an ally. Um, that's gone now. They won't get any sort of accommodations from any other parties. Um, I, I I think it I mean it, it seems impossible. It's just shitty time to be a small small party generally, right? I mean there's no you know New Zealand first are barely above the five. The Greens had a terrible year in terms of their numbers. They have to try and restore their base. Um, act um, are irrelevant and National God, they're party. barely a party act. Let's be honest. Well, they're, they're an electorate. The, the they're an electorate. They're not a party. But, but, but you know, and, and there's talk about whether or not national needs to kind of patronise or you know yeah. somehow create its own create a client party. party. Yeah, yeah, which is also, I mean, that whether or not people respond to that positively is, it seems highly unlikely to me. But MMP was meant to. MMP was meant to be a, all about the smaller parties. Yeah, although, I mean, you do have two in government, so it's not that bad. Yeah, I, th I think that's an interesting observation. It's This is the least MMP parliament we've had since 1996, but it's the most MMP government. Sure. Um, you know, the, in, in the sense that, you know, the largest party isn't in government. Um, the Greens... You know, and, and I think, um, sorry, the Prime Minister has been very cognisant of that. You know, the way she's structured the government... Um, you know, she could have probably gotten away with giving the Greens one ministerial slot outside Cabinet, give them DIA or maybe conservation, but she's really brought them into the tent um, and really brought New Zealand first in. So they're all very sort of interlinked. Um, so, you know, po polling-wise, it's always tough for minor parties, particularly in government. Mm. And they, they won't mind, you know, New Zealand first won't mind dropping down to about 2 or 3% between elections. Um, as long as they can come back. Yeah, that's the thing is that both Labour and National haven't really got their head around MMP in terms of how to be a big, a good big coalition partner, how to be a good partner to, to the minor parties, so that you know you do have someone to couple up with afterwards. And I think that's where we'll see again a generational shift with, with Jacinda, who you know hasn't been 
a part of a first-past-the-post system. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they how they um, balance all that out next year. The um, speaking of next year, the issues that you Annabelle picked as being important ones that um, New Zealand politics might hinge on a bit is Labor's ability to provide speedy solutions to the housing crisis and child poverty, the Ngāpuhi settlement, uh, and whether or not Labor trips into an eleven billion dollar hole. Oh, I think <laughs> did. I there said, are, there yeah. are very many, very many O's, very many, very many O's in, really in, in, the, in the word hole. Um, do you want to expand on any of that? Um, I think all of those are pretty self-explanatory, aren't they? Um, Ngāpuhi is an important one because, of course, they are our largest iwi, and we all know that um, you know they're doing it tough in the north. And let's hope that this huge block of northern Māori MPs that we have makes a huge difference for them. One of the issues that I'm personally interested in, and I, I didn't mention it in that um, in that piece, mm. is um, is what Ron Marks does as Minister of Defence. And the reason I'm interested in that is because of a number of stories that we've done over the years, um, particularly about um, two brothers, um, the Nepata brothers, mm. who were both horrifically injured while serving in the New Zealand Army. One um, became a paraplegic when he was dropped during an exercise and the other one was horrifically burned in a, in a tank accident in Waiuru and neither of them have ever received any decent compensation and um, it, theirs was a case that was actually championed by Mark, so uh, Ron Mark so it'll be interesting to see if now that he's in, in now that he's a minister, if he will do the right thing by the Nepata brothers. And another one is the story of Doug Hughes, who was the young um, Maori soldier who committed suicide um, in Afghanistan, and there's never been a proper coronial inquiry into into what happened to to Dougie Hughes. It's an incredibly sad story. So I hope too that Ron steps up on that one and and gives his whānau the um, the hearing that they've been asking for for their boy. Um, and it's worth just mentioning as a footnote to that that um, the some of those stories, the the later ones you did on the Hui which has been returning to television next year for yes, how many episodes? season three, um, 40 episodes kicking off in March and our lovely treaty partners at News Hub are also going to be giving us a replay um, on a Monday night, won, I believe. You won, a, so won, won, a, won some gong at the TV Awards we as well? We did, we won well. a gong, we won um, Best Māori Programme and we were finalists for Best Current Affairs Programme, so we were really chuffed about that. Um, and Ben, you're working on your new series, the spin-off TV, which we can reveal exclusively here, is going to take the form of two hours every evening. Ben Thomas mm. on his phone. Seven till nine. Just seven till nine, reflecting on the day's events? Excited about that. Mm. It's it's the future of television. Um, I like I like to think of it as like John Campbell's checkpoint, but without a microphone and mm. much longer. Yeah. Mm. Um, will you actually talk to it, or just be your thoughts, just be your reflections on? Just yeah, and and sometimes contemplative silence. I mean, so, so, sometimes you don't want to be overburdened by yeah by like, monologue. Like Leighton Smith. <laughs> we haven't even mentioned Leighton Smith. I can't believe we haven't mentioned Leighton Smith, who, do, who does the best pauses. So here we go. And I will... No, I won't mention that. What's I won't happened? get into just, that. Just I won't get into that because they'll roast me. I won't get into that. News talk ZP. Jacinda's barely been Prime Minister for about, what, seven weeks. <laughs> Hosking's gone from oh Seven Sharp. Leighton Smith is moving it's on. It's a bonfire. It's like, 
it's just like Bloody a, a rain of fire on like the 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 the, the like the the talkback the fm talkback coasts of new zealand it's outrageous um ben thomas your issues for 2018 the global retreat from open borders rules-based blah 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 housing still tax and the cost of living what do you for new zealand rather than the um, collapse of the world order tell yeah. us more um well i i was probably wrong i probably should have put in um as Annabelle did the eleven point seven billion dollars oh, yeah. hole, yeah. Um, which is not actually a hole, but as as we saw in the um, half yearly economic and fiscal update on Thursday, the government has not left itself a lot of room uh, for any spending that hasn't already been costed in its campaign promises, um, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on them. Next year's budget will probably be fine. Um, this is just a practice for my monologue, isn't it? My my nightly sort of. I'm <laughs> I'm listening. Um. He's busy playing with Waimahia, but I'm hanging off your every word. Uh, and, um, and, but that'll really start to bite in 2019, 2020, um, where they'll find it a lot harder to come up with new spending promises, new initiatives, um, you know, to, to get them through to the next election um, and anything that the coalition partners are asking for that was outside the agreement as well. Um, and in terms of tax and cost of living, the tax working group will be starting in the oh, new year. The tax Are you working on that? group. I, I love a good working group. I, I mean, haven't announced I mean, all the. Hopefully. No one's been. Do they have your email address? At Ben Thomas NZ on Twitter. Yeah. But yeah, so so I think that'll focus people's minds on capital gains taxes, changes to the tax system, possible tax rises. I think the opposition will. Um, start start bashing that, um, especially given how tight the budget is. Um, so that cause, could cause a few problems uh, for the government next year. Um, it's really hot in this studio. Um, let's wind it up. Let's call it a year. Um, is there anything we've missed out? Anything that you guys are burning to, to mention? Fine. Yeah, I think we've pretty I thought, much I think we've pretty much covered everything. <laughs> I, th- I thought just in terms of like oh, really wait. current events. Um, yeah. Julianne Genta, she's had a good start. Yes. Um, very assured. Yeah, she knows her onions. Very assured, and her first announcement wasn't anything about you know cycling tracks or you know any kind of green stuff. It was about safety on rural roads, right? Um, which I thought was you know, a smart decision. Yeah. Right to you know continue as you mean to go on. You know, reassure people that it's not sort of a, a whole new change. Shows that she's no know, she knows what she's doing, um, and I think got a shout out on Radio New Zealand for being a good employer as well. This podcast has been a lot of fun this year. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Annabelle. Thank you so much, Ben. We'll return in the new year. Oh, one, can we do one final shout-out? Oh, wait. Yeah, of course. Um, Mad. Mad's election coverage was probably the best of any of ours. Oh, Mad Chapman. With her memes. She's, she's had an incredible year. She has. She has a very good year. Big fan. Um, we're very lucky to have her, as we are both of you, as we are you, Wami Heroes, as we are you, listener. And um, let's go out with a, what should we say? Are we going to do, do you want to lead like, us off and like that nation thing where they? Oh, that's but is that is that too obvious? I reckon we should do it. I you think, think we should sing? You think we should or shouldn't? No, I don't think we should. Okay. Um, Can we rap? Can you rap? I can't rap. Okay. We'll see you in <laughs> two thousand. <laughs> Just play air guitar. Oh, can you put something over the top of this to make it sound less embarrassing, Matt? Thanks, Matt.
Kia ora e te iwi, te ai he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.